think you already know that Roger's going to speak this morning and what he's going to speak on. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you what's going to happen three, starting next week for the next three weeks. It's going to be on the prodigal father, which I think is a nice little twist, and Paul Beecham's going to teach it. But today, here's Roger. Yeah. <laughs> Mary called me and said, I have an opening on Labor Day weekend. And I just need to fill it. Would you do that? So here I am. I'm getting married. <laughs> well, you know, I almost thought I was going to have to use my favorite story with you this morning. But I'm going to tell you the story anyway. And I know you've all heard it, but you may not remember the punchline. You know the difference between a northern, the introduction to a northern fairy tale and a southern fairy tale? A northern fairy tale begins once upon a time, and a southern fairy tale begins, y'all ain't ever going to believe this. <laughs> they, they laughed again. They did. <laughs> I thought we were going to be without PowerPoint, but thanks to Doug and his magic <laughs> he got us back in business. Okay, I thought I had taken care of everything. But sometimes when you're dealing with computers and different versions of software, it can get awfully confusing. Well, the thing I want to talk about today is a subject that this class excels in, and that is service. Service to the community, service to this church, and evangelistic service. But I want to just go through some thoughts that I have about that and try to track from the scripture we're going to look at through two uh, evangelistic experiences that Gail and I have participated in and we participated in the first one with a number of other folks from this class but how different they are and how you have to be flexible when you're doing these things. So let me just get the computer back up here where all I have to do is use this finger. Doug, if I can find the right key to do this to, I'll be okay. It's the any key. Well, actually, space bar. <laughs> Somebody has a phone call. <laughs> okay. Our subject is going to be to look quickly at the great two great commandments and then uh, the great commission and we want to keep it simple we want to first of all understand and then we want to decide how do we do what that says did okay the, the greatest commandments and this is a response from Jesus to a learned priest who was questioning him about what is the greatest commandment. And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your heart, all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. But Jesus didn't stop there. Okay? He had only asked for the greatest commandment. And Jesus gave him those words. But Jesus went on. 
The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So these are the two great and we know, we've had Jim McCormick here several times, and we all know his little diagram. God, you, and others, okay? If we can keep that in mind, it will help us with this lesson. Love for God is active. We are to believe, we are to trust, we are to worship, but we're also to obey. And the obey point, excuse me, is what I'm going to talk about uh, today. Now, the Great Commission, as, as Christ was being taken away, he told the disciples, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. Now, that is important. We typically think of, uh, when we go on mission trips, we go out there to make new disciples, and then we come back home. Somebody has got to be there to teach them. So teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. Then, in Acts, as, as Christ was ascending, he says, But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power, and you will tell people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So our acts of obedience from those, those verses deal with our loving God, our loving our neighbor, and being Christ's witness wherever we are. Okay? We tend to think of missionaries who go off somewhere. We think of going on mission trips. We go off somewhere. Your witness may be standing in line in the supermarket. Who knows? Okay. I went out to buy something the other day, and I gave the girl a credit card, and she says, well, we don't take that one. So I had to give her another one. She got all through, and she says, now, what are the four digits on the credit card? And I looked at her, and I said, you know what? When we get to heaven, there's not going to be any credit card. And she looked at me, and she said, yes, and hallelujah. <laughs> so it was just a comment, okay? But we were on the same page with that. Now, Brother Jim Boswell here, somebody asked him how he's doing. What is his answer? Blessed. Blessed. Is there any doubt in the minds of the person that asked him about his position? No. So we have a chance every day to be a witness. And it's a matter of taking that opportunity. <clears throat> so being, being Christ's witness will take many forms in our life. <laughs> Just be conscious that every time you're with somebody, you have that opportunity. Now, what I want to do is <clears throat> taking those two commandments, the most important commandments, and taking the Great Commission and being a witness, and take a look at two mission trips that we have been on and how different they are 
and what happens. But we also want to look at how they are the same. Okay? So, the first one is Peru. Now, you're going to recognize several people in these pictures. But uh, the first one uh, was Peru, and we did that one uh, three years ago now. And it's always interesting to look at where you're going. Now, doesn't that look inviting? That's the scene from where we were doing our mission program. Okay, so it, it, they're typically in places that you wouldn't go just because you wanted to see it. Okay, then the people. <clears throat> on the first day of our mission trip on this one, these are all the people who had lined up for a medical mission. Now, the medical mission was the thing that drew the people to come. These people, and if you you saw the place that I showed you, that's what it looked like in all directions. We don't know where these people actually live, but they showed up the first day, and they showed up to get medical help, something that could be provided <clears throat> by this team. Now, this particular medical mission allowed you to have hands-on. So you really got to be face-to-face -face with the people. You got to touch them. They got to see you, and you could have a relationship. Okay? This is a, a lady that went with us. She has since passed away, but she was 86 years old. And she worked in triage. But you can see the smile on the, the person's face there. And it was a situation where you could just touch the people. As a part of the program, there was a spiritual emphasis. Everybody who came through the program spent time with a spiritual advisor. That was a part of the program. You didn't get to see a doctor, dentist, optician, or get a drug if you didn't go through the spiritual part of the program. Okay? So that was just, everybody just assumed that was part of the program. Then a doctor's diagnosis. Here you see Paul Beecham doing the diagnosis. Again, it's hands-on. You're touching people. We get to see our beloved Ron Peterson, and Pat was right to his side just out on the picture. And they are preparing pe people for glasses that we had taken down. But again, you touch. You're with the people. You get to see them, talk to them, feel them. The dental work. He certainly felt touched when he got through with this, okay? And the pharmacy, we gave everybody that came in uh, worm pills because that's a major problem down there. We also gave them other medication that had been prescribed. Then the teaching of the children, that was certainly touchy-feely. Gail was touched a lot of time by these, these kids, okay? But the, the other key to it was every individual was offered the spiritual opportunity, but there was a follow-up team that had been trained and was staying in that general vicinity to work with those people who accepted Christ. So you just don't go blowing in there, do your thing, and leave, and leave the people. This team had been trained by Arthur Ivey, 
and they had dedicated themselves and they were going to stay in that location and minister to those people and build a church. Okay? And without that, there's no point in going in my mind. Okay? That, is, that is the most important part of the whole mission trip. <clears throat> now, I want to switch gears a little bit and tell you about the Native American mission trip that Gil and I went on this summer. We didn't go back to Peru because on our first trip, we were at 10,500 feet elevation. I had a problem one night with the elevation, and um, fortunately, we had medication, and I got a shot that took care of that. On our second trip down there, we had to go over the pass <clears throat> at 14,000 feet, and Gail had and this year's mission trip was at 11,000 feet. So we decided as soon as they announced the location, we weren't going. Okay? <laughs> so we said, well, if we're not going there, where else can we go? When we lived in New Jersey, in about 1975, we met a young man who worked with Youth for Christ. He was a director of Youth for Christ there. He later started his own ministry, and his sons, his two sons and daughters, grew up in our church. We knew them. In fact, his wife was sick one time, and Gail was a part of the group that helped take care of her, provide food just like we do when people are sick. And uh, Gail taught kindergarten, and the oldest son sat next to Gail in the kindergarten class, and one Sunday he said to her, I like the way you smell. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't let him forget that. But we know this family personally. I have followed Ryan Hutchcraft over the years. We have been contributors to his program over the years. Ron teaches at the Billy Graham uh, Institute of Evangelism. He is a well-known speaker, and he writes a uh, uh, devotional every day, and it's available on the Internet, and I'll give you that address a little bit later. But we just wrote him a letter and said, Ron, we, we have some time available, and we're willing to come do whatever you want us to do this summer. What can we do? Well, we got a letter back from the person that was coordinating the cooks who provide the support for the team that goes. And we said, well, we can do that. If they give us somebody who has recipes and knows how to cook, we can wash the dishes. So we agreed to do that. Um, it's As I said, it's organized by Ron Hutchcraft Ministries. It started when the oldest boy who told Gail that he loved the way she smelled spent a summer on a Navajo Indian reservation in New Mexico, and he fell in love with the Native Americans. And he told his dad, that's where I want to be in ministry. And that was about 23 or 24 years ago. The program that I'm going to show you has been operational now for 20 years. This was the 20th anniversary of this program. It has grown significantly, but it has uh, de 
devoted to the Native American young people. On Indian reservations, they have the highest rate of alcoholism, the highest rate of drug use, the highest teenage pregnancy, and the highest suicide rate. The average life expectancy on an Indian reservation is about 44 years. They do not like the white man for obvious reasons. Okay, I wouldn't like the white man either if I had been treated the way they were and are. So this program is, is oriented to go minister to the young people on these reservations. Now, over the years, they have developed this. But the preparation for this ministry is a major conference held in Branson, Missouri in the January-February time frame. And they invite young Native Americans to come. This year, they had over 600 young Native Americans from 124 tribes in the U.S. Okay? Out of that group, applications are made to be a part of this summer program that we went on. And out of the applications that came in, they picked 52 young people from 35 tribes. We had kids on our team from Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Washington, one from Alaska. Okay. So they're from all over the country, different backgrounds. This is the picture they took at this conference in Branson uh, this year. Now the place we went doesn't look too different than Peru. <laughs> Those hills you see there are the Badlands of South Dakota. And this is looking out from the place that we stayed. But God always provides advantages. There was a rainbow that we noticed, and as we stood there looking at it, it became a double rainbow. So that is just some of the blessings you get when uh, you put yourself in those places. This is a picture of where those kids slept at the one facility. You can see the amount of privacy they have. <laughs> And they used showers in a totally different building. Okay? They rough it. This particular part of the, uh, <clears throat> the trip that we were on, we stayed in a motel in Grand Rapids and came to this Rapid. church. Rapid City. I'm sorry, I keep saying Grand Rapids. But these kids are more concerned about what they're going to do <clears throat> than they are about where they're going to sleep. Now the program, and this was really interesting to me, it's a three-day program in each location. Okay, now remember, you've got 52 kids, you've got a staff, and you've got the support people like us. But the program, every day, day one starts with packing up from where you are, and getting ready to move. <clears throat> and you get to the next reservation sometime late that afternoon. 
The kids immediately go out and start canvassing the area, passing out flyers, getting to know the kids on the reservation. And then they have an evening gathering. I didn't know it, but Native Americans like to play basketball. And so the thing that they have done is they have, they take basketballs, they even take portable basketball hoops, and they even take portable lights so they can do it at night. And they go out and they invite the kids, come on over, we're going to play basketball, we're going to talk. So that's day one. Day two, they start in the morning with study and prayer and teaching. In the afternoon, they go back out into the community. They make friends. They shoot baskets. They have a good time. And then in the evening, they have a gathering where they've invited all these Native American kids to come. And it's amazing the number that show up. There's not much else to do on these Indian reservations. So when there's an event going on, they show up. Then on day three, start again with morning study and prayer, afternoon making friends, and then the evening of the third day, they challenge, they've already told the kids, they challenge the local kids on the reservation to a basketball game. Now, they have brought in some ringers with them. So they've got some kids that know how to play basketball on this team. But they challenge them. They have an announcer who announces the game. They have music going. They serve pizza later. And then they have a program where they present Christ. Now, these kids have already been witnessing, okay, to these kids. But they have a program where they present Christ to the kids. So that is the program. Now that this ends the program in this location, and we start all over the next morning with packing up, getting ready to go, and getting on the road to go to the next Indian reservation. So it's three days on a particular reservation. But the key is they have already trained people at the local site to take care of those kids who have accepted Christ. So that is a major part of their program. All the stuff that we needed to be Cook's helpers was in a trailer that was pulled by a pickup truck. Now I want you to vision on the day that we are leaving from one place to go to the next. There is a big bus that will carry 52 kids. There are four RVs that some of the leaders stay in with their families. And there are two pickup trucks with trailers. One with the cook stuff and the other with the basketballs and the lights and the sound and all that stuff. It is like a convoy <laughs> taking off okay, to the next place. But we had everything we needed on that trailer. Cook stuff, all the uh, food, everything else. I want to show you a couple of pictures. This was the youngest kid on the trip. He was 16 years old. He was from Oklahoma and he was Cherokee. Okay? We had pancakes one morning and I was the pancake flipper. This kid ate 22. <laughs> I am not kidding you. He said, I love pancakes. So you didn't have to tell me that. These are some of the girls that were on the trip. 
They all had the yellow t-shirts, which has own eagle's wings, which is the uh, slogan. They met, this was one of the times in the morning, and this particular site was up on a hill overlooking the reservation. They met for prayer there. Prayer was a major part of their program. This is one of the events in the afternoon where they're uh, mingling and talking to the kids who showed up. And this is one of the speakers. He was a uh, Lakota Indian from the, that's a tribe that is a part of the Sioux Nation, which is common in that particular area we were in. And this is their event. So the results, we, this team this year went to nine reservations. They trained local <coughs> people to follow up. They did that ahead of time. They had over 5,000 kids that showed up for the program at the nine locations and over 800 accepted Christ. So this is the website that you can go to. I would, I would encourage you, go and sign up for the devotional. We read it every day without fail. Actually, we listen to it. You can click on a spot, and Ron Hutchcraft literally does, does it so you hear it by voice. He is an outstanding speaker. I don't know how he comes up with all these devotionals, but they always touch me. So I would encourage you to go find out more about Hutchcraft. Yeah, they're, they're, even the speaking is between two to three minutes. But they are outstanding. And he has a real heart for evangelism. He is one of those people that could walk into a room of total strangers, all atheists, and within a minute he would be talking to them about Christ. And it just comes natural. The love for God should be active. We are to believe, we are to trust, we are to worship, and then we are to obey and be a witness. So find your way, what is comfortable for you, but I would also say to you, your greatest growth is going to come when you are extremely uncomfortable. So get out of your comfort zone, do something extraordinary, and be a witness. Okay? And thus ended this lesson that is a field end on Labor Day weekend. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, in a minute. I'm through then. If you have any questions about the ministry, I'll be there to Thank you, Roger. That was wonderful. I was sitting there thinking all that stuff I was going to skip. Man, all of it was good. I'm so glad. And again, I, I, I would probably choose to end every week with our Bible verse that was in your lesson, or in your newsletter. And this one was from Roger's friend, Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah 8.10. I go back and look, why did I do that? So at this point, this, and this is cool, this particular word was spoken on October the 8th, 444 B.C. in Jerusalem. Now, isn't that neat that we can track back and know what day it was? 
And Nehemiah was the governor, and he asked his scribe friend Ezra to read the book of the Law of Moses to the people. And they stood there and listened to him reading that for five or six hours that morning. That would have been the first day of the Jewish New Year. And so toward the end of that, they were weeping. They were crying. I would have been too if I'd been standing there that long. <laughs> but uh, they come back, they come back and they're told that this was the first day of the Jewish New Year, but then they would begin to celebrate the Festival of Booths, which lasts for seven days. And the message was, don't weep, weep. Eat good stuff. In fact, it was eat pork, but I don't think they meant pork ribs. <laughs> but eat good stuff, drink sweet wine, visit with your friends, and don't forget to give to those who are less fortunate than you. So all of that was the message leading up to the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's where your joy will come from. But you also can eat good things drink good wine and visit with your friends and give to the others. But remember where your joy comes from. That strength is from the Lord. So Roger, would you close us with prayer? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you not only save us from something, but you save us for something. So help us to be aware as we go through our daily activities, that there are people that don't know you, there are people who are hurting, there are people who are searching. Help us be attentive to those needs and then help us to be in a place to offer help. So bless us as we do that. Bless us now as we leave to go down and worship. Help us to understand that we are the, uh, the audience. We are not, we're not the audience. You are the audience. And we should be participatory as we worship you, as we sing, as we pray, and as we have our time of friendship together. So bless us. Bless you. Amen. Amen.